1: Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC Terms and Conditions apply.
2: Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father.
1: Prepare to die. Live from Joe's Mom's Basement... It's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and can a ditch digger become a millionaire? Today's guest says yes, because he did. Today, we welcome the author of Blue Collar Cash, Mr. Ken Rusk. Plus, it seems like COVID-19 has been around forever now, so when will things get back to normal? During our headline segment, we'll discuss a venture capitalist take on the why and when of Life Back to Usual. And of course, we'll also be sure to toss out the Haven Lifeline, and I'll stimulate your mind with some of my thought-provoking trivia. And now, two guys who are wondering whether Lightning McQueen would buy car insurance or life insurance... Wow, that's a good question. Huh. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G!
0: How many times have you seen the movie Cars? Which version? Oh, the second one wasn't that good. First one. They have three, don't they? What, was there Cars 3, even? Tells it- you everything you can know about that, huh? A lot. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pixar Movies Are Not Our Specialty Podcast. I'm Joe Salcihi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And across the card table from me, a guy that we lovingly call the other guy or, for short, OG. Dude, we're back for Wednesday. Oh, yeah. There was a Cars 3. I, I totally must have missed it. 2017. So, would Lightning McQueen buy... Car insurance or life insurance? I think he'd buy life insurance on himself, right?
2: Yeah, I think
0: if you don't, then you're breaking down the fourth wall. Wouldn't car insurance for him be like disability coverage for the average person?
2: uh, I can't even have this conversation.
0: It'd be like buying disability and life insurance. You probably need both. Uh, Hey, uh, one thing also that you need, if you're somebody who has student loans, you want to go to Student Loan Hero. Big thanks, Student Loan Hero, for supporting Stacky Benjamins. You know what? Student Loan Hero OG, you know what happens you find better ways to pay off your student loans. 20 different calculators at student loan hero to find your best strategy. Head to studentloanhero.com When it comes to your student loans, we got a great show today. We got Ken Rusk here. We're going to talk about a topic that I absolutely love. This idea that you need to go to college might be flawed. Some people think them's fighting words. The idea of having student loans all together. Might be for you, might not need all that. Ken Rusk says that, and he is uh, waiting in the wings. But first, we've got some headlines for you. So let's get this party started. Hello,
3: darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show our stacking Benjamin's headlines.
0: Our first headline comes to us from investmentnews.com. You know how they now have exchange traded funds for everything? Oh, gee, there's always a new idea. What do you think about this one? This is written by Bloomberg News. Uh, New bond ETF offers, wait for it. What do you think a bond ETF offers to be the sexy new thing?
2: Like, what do they say they offer? What do they really offer?
0: Oh, no, they really offer this.
2: Ooh, uh, I don't know. There's so many different choices here. They hedge the risk of interest rates going up.
0: I don't know. This is much more basic than that. Oh. They pay you. They do pay, they do pay you like we talked about Monday. Investors looking for more frequent bond payouts may soon have the option to buy an exchange traded fund that will distribute cash every Friday.
2: Oh, I did hear about this.
0: Now you get yes. a paycheck every Friday. The Sofi Weekly Income ETF will trade under the ticker TGIF. Are you kidding me?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Now tell me about the interest rate that they're paying.
0: And focus on investment grade and high yield corporate bonds. Yeah,
2: two things that are diametrically opposed.
0: <laughs> so, by the way, uh, when you think about bonds, you want to think about that like you've got a credit rating, right? Companies have a credit rating too. If they're investment grade bonds, that means they're they're companies with good credit. Mm-hmm. If they are high yield bonds, they are companies with bad credit. Because why would why would a bond pay you a high interest like rate your if they could cousin do, Bill borrowing two grand? You're like, um, pass. I promise I'll give it right back. Or it's at 20 points. The fund will be actively managed and primarily hold securities maturing in less than three years. There, there is nothing here that looks attractive. The Friday payouts could be an attempt to attract older investors. It says looking for more frequent income payments, a.k.a. desperate. <laughs> It doesn't say desperate. I, <laughs> I was that.
2: like, dang, that's some liberties with the writing. No,
0: I added that in. Well, I've hey, got an idea. Normally,
2: bonds pay interest on a semi-annual basis. What if we take that semi-annual number and divide it into 26?
0: Could you see somebody sitting with their financial advisor? So this idea of uh, monthly paychecks, is there a way for me to get that uh, every Friday? Can I get that every Friday? Yeah. The debut of the Friday payouts would also add further momentum to one of the hottest trends in the ETF market. Actively managed ETF launches are outpacing passive for the first time in 20 years. As of Thursday of last week, 68 active exchange traded funds had started trading in 2020 compared with 63 passive ones, according to data compiled by Bloomberg. What's the interest rate? It doesn't say here. It does not say in this piece. What is it? I don't know.
2: I saw it on Twitter, and I thought that I remembered it was like 0.7. I've
0: got a link to the filing with the SEC. I'm not reading through that. No, don't. I think it
2: was 0.7. So that means for every $10,000, you get 70 bucks annually. So Divided by 52 weeks. Enjoy your deposit, folks.
0: (laughs) You're getting like 12 bucks a week. Yeah. Am I doing my math right there? Yeah, about... No, fifty two weeks. You're getting like a dollar twenty. Yeah, yeah, Sorry.
2: Sorry. Yeah, it's a buck. It's like a buck a week.
0: <laughs> it's like a buck thirty. Yeah. Big payday. Uh Martha, is the mail here yet? <laughs> I was
2: uh yeah, I was told I was supposed to get a deposit every Friday. Oh no, that happened. Oh, I see a negative four ninety five from Bank of America every month. Oh yeah, that's the checking account charge for that account. But it's only you guys are only putting a dollar ten in every Friday. And the Bank of America takes four ninety five out.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a great deal. Uh, this fund alone pays for two buck Chuck once every other week. Yeah.
2: A month of uh, interest payments, less taxes, plus a stamp card, and you can get a cup of coffee at Starbucks. The funny thing is, of course, is that if all you did was do this exact same thing with your money, except put it in the uh, stock market, which is where it belongs anyway. Uh, and not in a high-yield bond fund, for God's sake. Uh, the yield on the S&P is like 2.5 or 2.3 or something like that. So you get almost a little over three times the the cash return. Plus, get this, appreciation. Bam! Which you're not going to get in a bond fund. In fact, there's a stronger than average chance you'll actually get a big decline in your bond fund based on where interest rates are. So uh, uh, hard pass, SoFi. I, Thanks but, for nothing.
0: But I don't blame Sofi because. Oh it, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a sales deal. Fish well, yeah, for the fish and, are. and it's so hard to get assets. I mean, their number one goal is to get enough assets to be sustainable. And as we talked about on Monday to, with the twelve million dollar fund, yeah. well, we brought in a lot of assets. No, no, you no. needed a hundred million to even get to first yeah, base. I
2: think for profitability purposes, a, a fund or an ETF needs somewhere in the five or 600 million range. Yeah. Minimum.
0: Well, and the big problem is a lot of, unless they have pre-existing relationships, a lot of the big companies where the institutional traders trade, where the big money is, won't put them on their platform. So people that trade through fidelity or trade through Charles Schwab or Pershing, as an example, Pershing still a thing. Yeah. It's one of the biggest ones <laughs> Just, in the world, but yeah. I mean, that's where I traded at one point was through Pershing. But to get on those platforms, you have to have a significant amount of assets. I remember. And cut a check. I remember Jamie Wise at Buzz Index saying, We got to have a bunch more assets to get on these platforms. And it becomes a chicken or the egg thing. Right. So start paying people instead. Here's what we're going to do I pay you a dollar, you hand 50 cents to two other people. They hand a quarter to four other people. Yeah. It's, It's awesome. Uh, second, uh, comes from worth, uh, back in the day, worth magazine was my favorite financial magazine a long, long time ago. Now it's a pretty good website though. A VC's guide to investing during COVID-19. Obviously most people listening to this show are not venture capitalists, but I did find this but according to this guy, you probably should be <laughs> either that or just straight up bet one or the other. Lucas Asher wrote this piece. Uh, He writes, American novelist Gregory Maguire once wrote, from torch skyscrapers, men grew wings. I think about this imagery a lot, the birth of something beautiful from the ashes of destruction, the hope and willpower of the human spirit. Although the COVID-19 pandemic is hurting businesses worldwide, plunging the world into uncertainty, it will inevitably bring restructuring and balance. I think I agree with all that. Lucas here, OG, is talking about different places where he thinks we'll see growth. His first win is the sharing economy, which
2: kind of old news there.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's funny because he says companies like Airbnb, Airbnb is his first one out of the gate that he thinks is a big win. By the way, then he discloses at the end of this that he invests in Airbnb. He's going to lose some money. I'm financially invested in Airbnb and don't claim to speak for the company. However, what they're doing during this outbreak by donating inventory and making rebooking easier post-quarantine is very admirable. It also makes them part of the solution, which is how companies need to view themselves if they want to survive long term. I also agree with, agree with that piece. Next, uh, win is software as a service. So subscriptions winning, uh, shipping companies, clearly, clearly winning. But I want to focus on this. He he talks about the biggest mistake for venture capitalist. And I think though. It's a big mistake for everybody, which is why I like this piece for our headline hero. G. listen to this. The biggest mistake for investors is assuming there will be a premature recovery and things will go back to, quote, normal. I think if we're sitting there either on the sideline with our money or not on the sideline with our money, but we think that, you know, come October, November, December, January, whatever it is that we're going to get a normal. I don't think you can have that outlook.
2: Well, even so, though, what does that mean for your money? Nothing. It shouldn't mean. Doesn't, it shouldn't. doesn't mean anything. It shouldn't mean anything. I mean, so there's a chart that I saw about like credit card spending plummeted pew, right back to where it was. You think about just just what is going on from an economic standpoint. Yeah, we're not traveling. So, you know, if I'm throwing funny money at stuff, I'm not buying a cruise ship or an airline company. Or even Disney. I love Disney, but they're, you know, they've got a little bit more diversification, which is great within their organization. But they're going to be bleeding a lot of cash. The other thing that's going to happen.
0: You think maybe a theme park division or two might have a problem? Might have an issue.
2: I mean, the China one closed again, right? And that would happen like a week ago. I heard. If you look at it short term, you're going to see all the bad news because think of it this way if you're the CFO of a really large organization, what are you doing with the books this year? Cooking them. I mean, you are destroying them, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you say a little tongue-in-cheek, but, but yeah, I mean, there's some clever accounting tricks that you can do. You're already going to lose money. You know what I mean? What's the difference if you're a publicly traded company and on paper you lost $5 billion or $25 billion? It's all a loss. And I think mentally... Everyone's written off the rest of this year.
0: So go ahead and lose money, hand over just, fist this year.
2: Just take all the deductions. Take all the stuff that you've been piling up. Take all of the write-offs that you can possibly write. All
0: off. that stuff you've been trying to hide when quarterly earnings come. Just go ahead and get it out there. Oh, by yeah. the way, we yeah. have this whole division that has been profitable for ten yeah. years, but we've been kind of window dressing. We're going to write it. it off right now.
2: Yes, bam. minus two billion. And so if you're looking at the day to day, and you say, Oh my gosh. Gillette just announced they, they lost $250 million last quarter. Trust me. There's people not shaving, but there's most of us still do it. You know what I mean? Like Gillette's selling razor blades, but they've figured out a way to go, you know what, we're going to make it look really bad right now so we can make it look really good later. So if you're looking at your investments from a, well, I'm looking at the six-month outlook. I wonder what the next quarter is going to look like. That's trading stocks. That's not investing. People are still spending money. The economy is going to do what the economy does, which may or may not go back to normal. It may be different in some regards. Well, that's the thing.
0: I think that this isn't just for your money, the big mistake for investors, but it also is a mistake for your career. I think if in your career, if your career has been affected by this, your line of work has been affected by this, expecting that things are going to go back to, quote, normal, October, November December, January, I think, I think instead pulling a Wayne Gretzky, who very famously said, skate to where the puck's headed, Mm -hmm. not to where it is. I think that's what you have to do now is start thinking about where are things headed for my career.
2: Well, from a career standpoint, absolutely. I mean, if you're in a position where you have the ability to kind of sort of hit pause and reflect a little bit and try to change directions it's a really good time for it because everybody's on the move. You know what I mean? Like everybody, everybody is redefining this. And I think like, as it relates to, you're starting to see a little bit of the the headlines come out. of Like people are moving from the big city somewhere else to, from the high cost of living area to the lower cost of living area. Why? Because finally people realize that their employees are human beings and adults and just going to do the right thing anyway. So I've had six months of my entire staff working remotely. Yeah, okay, we can keep doing that. And then you get that green light. We have a family in our neighborhood that we're friends with. Their family lives down in Houston. And um, and they're like, Bill's job finally is letting him work remotely. We're out of here. We're going to go live back by our family. Gone. And I mean, moving from Dallas to Houston is not changing lifestyle at all. But it's moving closer to family that we're unable to do before. Same thing with another friend who's originally from florida and they're just kind of twiddling their thumbs waiting until they can move back to florida now they're like we can go anytime we don't have to try to find a job in florida so i think you're going to see a lot of that sort of stuff too a lot of people bouncing around a little bit
0: i do get excited about maybe a rebirth of middle america i mean there might be some people in middle america that (laughs) that don't don't want the rebirth (laughs) that don't want the rebirth they're like please i i like it quiet only one stoplight here probably not gonna like it lots of traffic (laughs) only one diner oh boy (laughs) yes I got to tell you about the most useful app on my phone. As you know, why Cheryl and I are traveling the country, it's pretty hard to find time to sit down and read and learn more. So when you don't have any free time, can't read or work on personal development, but I'm addicted to personal development, you say, Joe. And I say to you, so am I. That's two of us. And that's why there's an incredible app that solves that problem. And I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is super unique works on your phone your tablet your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and it condenses them down to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Here's what I like. I like taking Blinkist and I read to get an idea of the book to make sure that I want to spend time with it because you know if it's a really good book I'm going to want to spend a bunch of time with it but I don't want to waste time on a book. Where it's either just one simple little idea or the idea really is as inane as I think it might be from the front cover. But I'm intrigued enough that I want to give it a shot. So think of Blinkist as your preview. That's how I think of it. I've been reading a lot of philosophy lately. And Blinkist is a great way to get into philosophy. I used to think I like psychology. But it turned out psychology ends up being all about chemicals and chemical reactions. And I'm more interested in why we do stuff. A little bit psychology, but mostly philosophy. Why do we believe what we believe? Why do we do what we do? Successful people like business leaders, well-known for reading a lot of books, of course. Blinkist, made for busy people like you, want to get to the main point of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. 12 million people using Blinkist right now has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from best-selling lists as well as the classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read, but you haven't had time to read. I've used Blinkist a ton lately because of the fact that uh, we've been traveling a lot lately and I'm getting ready to finally spend a month in one place. And while I'm there, I want to cozy up with some books that are really going to make this a fantastic summer. Some of the money in investing books, of course, Chris Hogan's on there with everyday millionaire friend, Bola Sukumbi on there with clever girl finance, how to be a capitalist without any capital. Nathan Laca, who's been on the show, Patrick O'Shaughnessy's millennial money and a ton more. I know I've been reading uh, a lot about sapiens. My whole family's read sapiens, but me, Sapiens is on there, A Brief History of Humankind, but uh, I'm fairly certain I'm going to go for it. But if you're somebody that wants to know what it's all about, it's on Blinkist. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for Stackers. You're welcome, Stackerland. Go to Blinkist.com/sb and guess what? You're going to get to try it for free for seven days and you'll save 25% off your new subscription that's blinkist spelled b l i n k i s t blinkist.com/sb to start your free 7-day trial and you'll save 25% off just because you know us but only when you sign up with blinkist.com/sb well i think our takeaway from these pieces uh, number one i think uh, sexy weekly payouts of a dollar 20 might
2: send me 10 grand i'll what? send you a dollar 20 every friday
0: might not be
2: gonna be amazing for might, both of us.
0: Might not be great. And then the second thinking that life's returning to normal uh, around the corner, even if we get a vaccine in three weeks, it, 60%
2: of people aren't going to take it anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole new world, man. Ken Rusk is a heck of a guy. He's a guy who tried going to college. I'm sure we'll talk to him about that. He lives not far from where the basement was. He's uh, he's Toledo, Ohio area,
2: mm-hmm. uh, formerly known as Toledo, Michigan,
0: before the the big war, the big with the border war, obviously between the two states. And then Michigan was like, whatever, dude, just give us the Upper Peninsula, and can, we'll we'll give you this it. this town. Not sure that's how it worked out, but okay, they did. Ohio got Toledo. Look it up. Ohio got Toledo. Michigan got the Upper Peninsula. Was Ohio f-
2: fronting for the Upper Peninsula also?
0: I don't know how it worked. <laughs> it was like a player to be named later, <laughs> and the player ended up being the Upper Peninsula. And then Michigan went, oh, I'm not sure. Damn, they said, I'll are, tell you what, we'll throw we in a bridge. There? We'll throw in a bridge. It's going to take a while. It's
2: going to be 100 years from now. <laughs> When we finally have the technology to build a bridge across this water, but
0: it will exist, trust okay, us. Okay, you could have Toledo. Yeah, Ken is a guy who helps people realize that maybe, maybe college doesn't need to be for everybody, and something that you know we had our friend Chris Hogan on here. He harped on: you have all the tools, OG. You don't need bigger, stronger, faster tools. You have the tools. And regardless of whether you're blue-collar or white-collar whatever it is, you can be a millionaire. So let's say hi to Ken Rusk. And here he is on My Dad's Shortwave Radio. It's our new friend Ken Rusk. Ken, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So
3: all these months of hold-up at home have uh, treated you fine? Yeah, they have. Um, I can tell you, uh, I, I've never done so much yard work or uh, <laughs> ridden my bike around the neighborhood or stuff like that. It's, it's kind of refreshing to get back to the old days of, of doing things. It is so funny from cooking at home. I've been on this weight loss program, but I've been on
0: and off it. And uh, I stepped on scale the other day and I've actually lost weight. And I think it's just eating at home all the time. Well, obviously you're getting better quality food that way. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. So I, th- th- there's an elephant in the room that we have to talk about. I am 99% sure from my homework that you're in Ohio. That is correct. Are you a Buckeye?
3: Well, here's the thing. It's, it's funny that you asked that because my company is located literally on the border of Ohio and Michigan in Sylvania, Ohio. So I have to walk this fine line with the 200 or so people I have here and just kind of like be Mr. Sweden. You know what I mean? I'm not allowed to go one way or the other. So, And, you know, I have friends that love Ohio State. My daughter goes to the University of Michigan. So, I mean, it's, oh. it's a really tricky situation. But, but I'm, I'm a Michigan State
0: guy, so I got to hang up on you. You got both well, the bad places. I know. Both That's of a them. tough position to be in, believe me. Well, I want to talk about college because... You know, there's this, it's funny, talk about being a Buckeye or U of M or Michigan State. There's this script that we've all been fed, right? Which is uh, uh, work like heck during uh, school and high school so that you get good grades. So you go to a good college. So you get a good white collar
3: career. You say that that path may be overrated. Why is that? Well, I've I've always said that I'm not an anti-college guy. I'm just an anti-college is for everybody guy. And the reason I say that is, you know, I grew up and and I remember having shop class in my high school. You know, they taught you skills like uh, carpentry and plumbing and um, welding and those kinds of things. And then somewhere around 1980, those shop classes began to just disappear. And with it, the opportunity for kids who maybe aren't college people to learn those types of skills. So I don't know what happened, but the pendulum kind of swung from that type of opportunity to, if you don't go to college, you have no chance. And I don't think anything could be further from the truth there.
0: Well, and you're proof yourself, right? Were you literally a ditch digger?
3: Yeah, I was. Actually, I started when I was 15 and uh, we we work in a basement repair business and uh, I'm still doing it. And uh, I I don't dig as many ditches anymore. Obviously, I'm trying to keep all all these folks going, but um, that's how I started. And uh, you learn the value of hard work real quick that way. And then, so your path to millionaire, then I'd I'd love to hear your story
0: before we talk about coaching other people. So, so your path then, did
3: you go to college? I mean, tell me about, tell me about you. I tried, I actually tried to go, I went to Akron U for a couple of months and um, it just wasn't for me. I, I didn't fit there. The environment just wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to make money. I had a really clear vision for starting my life and starting to get the things that I needed, you know, uh, an apartment or a car or those types of things, money for gas, money, you know, to take my girlfriend out for pizza or those kinds of things. And I just said to myself, this this path isn't for me. I like working. I like working with my hands. I like creating things. So for me, it, it, that just wasn't my world. When did you realize,
0: though, that this could be a path to not a little money, but a lot of money? Because I'm from a blue-collar family from West Michigan. My family never, and you talk about this a lot in your book, Ken, that there's a lot of blue-collar people out there who don't really think along the path of being a millionaire. So when did kind of the light bulb come on for you that not only was this a path today doing things with my hands, but I could use this to build myself a fantastic future?
3: Well, you know, whenever you're doing anything with your hands, whenever you're doing anything in the trades, you need help doing that. And as demand increased, uh, I just began to have other people help me do it and do it in a bigger way. And at some point, I realized that I can't get what I want, nor can my company get what it wants until all of the people working with me get what they want first. And so that kind of started this informal life coaching, which I have no training on, but was forced to get into. And um, it just kind of kept going from there. The more I could see my future and the more I could teach other people to see their futures, you know, that was just like this confluence of energy that just really drove the company forward. But there must have been a time, there must
0: have been an inflection point where you're like, you know what, this is more than just me working with my hands.
3: Yeah. You know, I had two great examples. The gentleman I first started working for, he lived a really, really good life, and um, I helped him to kind of maintain that life. And and also my father. My, my father was a grinder. He he started out chopping lettuce in a grocery store, and he worked his way up into creating a company for himself. And he liked to reward himself for really hard work. So those couple of inspirations kind of drove me towards thinking I can make my own world happen as big as I want it to be. And that with just visioning what I wanted and what that looked like. It just kind of propelled me forward.
0: Yeah. You say that you had a very aggressive strategy and I'd like to hear more about what your aggressive strategy kind of looked like.
3: Well, to me, it was all about if I could create so much work with myself and then I could create so much work with other people helping me do it, then why can't I just pour gas on that process and just replicate it over and over and over? And pretty soon, I actually think there's no difference between managing five people or managing 50. Because if you're doing the things that you think work best for you and for your people, most importantly, for your people, that never really changes. Just The numbers just begin to increase along the way.
0: I think there's two important points that you bring up here. Number one is the importance of mentors. And having mentors in your life and having smarter people than you? Because it sounds like that was a big, big part of your success.
3: Well, sure. I mean, you always want an example of someone that you can follow. And I believe in mentors. Absolutely. In fact, so much so that I couldn't wait to become one. And I think that's been the most fun is to grab somebody right out of high school that maybe college isn't for them and to sit them down with a big piece of paper and a box of crayola crayons and say, let's draw what you want your life to look like down to the most finest detail and then we'll chop those up in little pieces and go after them one step at a time that's been the most fun i've had in my career
0: that's funny you say crayola crayons because i used to give uh, seminars for american express and at the beginning of our retirement seminars we would have people we would have people literally draw with crayons what they wanted retirement to look like in the future to look like and what was funny about the crayons was that you had these people who had always treated retirement as this serious numbers game, like we treat our careers, a serious numbers game. Right. And and all of a sudden they got out of that and they started dreaming. And once they started dreaming the numbers, then thought, you must see the
3: same thing. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's great because there are hopes and there are wishes and there are dreams. And then there's a solid plan or a solid path. And I think most people get stuck in hopes and wishes and dreams. Those aren't bad, but you got to take them a step further into making those things happen. So when we have our people draw out what they want, I mean, we get down to the finest detail. Are you a cat person or a dog person? And if so, <laughs> what kind of dog and what would you name it? Yeah. So, I mean, are you a truck person or a car person or are you a, a, a motorcycle person or a, you want to ride a bus or you want to buy an electric car? We really get deep into how they see their life, and it's not all material things either. It could be spiritual, it could be hobbies, it could be sports, it could be how they see themselves. It's amazing what happens when they start to draw those pictures because to your point, I very rarely find people write down, well, I want a million dollars or I want this much money in my account. They write down the feeling or the vision that would make them comfortable, peaceful, and free, and that's their happiness. And each one is individual and that is so much fun to watch happen.
0: It is so much fun. The second thing I want to draw attention to, though, is just this idea that there's so many opportunities out there that don't involve college. In fact, I know you've got some statistics around that and know that there's actually a lot more blue-collar jobs now than there used to be.
3: Well, when you think about it, if the workforce is about 160 million people, if you look at the Bureau of of Labor Statistics, you can easily find that about 65 million of those people in the labor force are doing some form of blue-collar work. Uh, so it's not just manufacturing. You know, I hear a lot of times people say, "Well, manufacturing left the United States, and with it took all the blue collar jobs." That's crazy. There are so many more jobs than manufacturing that make up the blue collar world. With it, there's so many amazing opportunities. And the thing that I find most concerning is that as people begin to retire, skilled tradesmen and, and those types of people, there's not enough people backfilling those jobs because it's either college only or it's a blue collar job has some stigma attached to it. Like, oh, you know, my son, Johnny, he's only going to be a plumber. That's ridiculous. And with that becomes this supply and demand issue. So, you know, as well as I do that wherever the supply is low and demand is high, that's where the money is. So I think there's a lot of opportunity on that side of things to be really, really, really successful.
0: I've got a good friend who's a plumber and right now makes money hand over fist and he's hard to get. Like, it's very hard. It's very hard to get him. He's got people calling him all the time. He's like, I can get there in a week and a half or two weeks, maybe if you're lucky.
3: Well, I've got a guy that um, does outdoor kitchens and stone fences and he's an artisan. He's, he's amazing. He's about to retire. And uh, here's a guy that goes to work in his brand new pickup truck with his jeans and t-shirt on and his boots. And he cranks up the Led Zeppelin and him and his five guys, they build these outdoor kitchens that are just amazing I had to wait six months for this guy. And the saddest part is, in in the process of him doing my outside place, he was telling me that he literally has no one to give this company to. Now, here's a guy who makes a big six-figure number, and he has no one to literally leave this company to because there's just not the interest there. And I think to myself, my gosh, how sad is that? Or what a great opportunity for somebody who is willing to take a stab at that to uh, make a great life for themselves.
0: When did this start? You talked about the stigma and I think that there, there completely is this stigma about, Oh, you're not going to college. Oh, you know that big, right. mm-hmm, thing, but uh, did that, and we don't need to spend too much time on when it started, but it seems like, was it the nineties with the big push? Maybe the the push of, Hey, every kid should go to college. So we created a lot more programs for, for uh, student loan and making it easier for people to get student loans. Did that, did, do you think that was the stigma or was it even before
3: then? Well, I think as the shop classes started closing and they just started driving everybody to college, it was, you know, almost the herd mentality. Well, if I'm not going to college, I'm unusual to the mass. So something's wrong there. And if I want to take this position, whether it's, you know, a a plumber, a carpenter or uh, some type of trades or or skill that maybe I'm I'm less than. And I, I think that's terrible because. When you're in a blue collar situation, one of the things that you have the pleasure of is that stand back moment where you build something and you get to stand back and look at that thing, whatever it is, and it lasts years and it lasts forever. And so your creativity gets rewarded every single day, unlike some office jobs where you're not really sure how you fit in. Yeah. Uh, How has COVID changed things for blue collar people? I think, at least in the Midwest here, all of my blue collar friends are busier than they have ever been because people are staying home. They're not spending a life in a minivan driving six states to watch their kids play soccer every weekend. They're kind of hanging it back at home, and they're riding their bikes, and they're they're having barbecues, and they're maybe they're taking small one day trips, and canoeing, and and hiking, and those kinds of things. And the more people stay home, and the more they stay local, the more demand happens for things that you need to fix up your house or fix up yourself. Even I mean, there's lots of personal training going on, and all that kind of stuff. So. I think it's actually benefited most of my friends uh, in uh, our company's really busy as well.
0: I feel like all those people you talked about getting your outside area done, like now you're at home all the time, Ken. So you're like, well, m- maybe I need to call that guy that I've been holding off on to finally do Since I'm at home, I might as well make it
3: look pretty. Well, yeah, I have a friend who sells mulch. He is running out of mulch every weekend. Yeah. I mean, he can't, he can't resupply it. it is, and, and he's got people that are do-it-yourselfers like crazy, just pouring in the front gate because they're home. And um, there's this pride thing that's going on. And I think that's what kind of might lead people to think, you know, this blue collar world is not such a bad world. Yeah, I'm outside. I can do what I want. I can control my time. I can control my result.
0: And I think when people are choosing careers, that's not even something that that they think about. I have, I have two questions. A lot of our listeners right now, Kenner Blue Collar, you talk about how Some people are blue collar now are kind of held back by their way of thinking. What's the first step in that push through for somebody listening to you and I right now to get
3: them to think about their life differently? Where do they start? I think the first thing they have to do is they have to say, okay, what's the rest of my world going to look like? I hear a lot of people that say, you know, someday I'm going to do this or someday I'm going to do that. And I have to tell you, that club is full of people. Okay, it's full of people that are thinking at some point or someday, if and when I get this, then I'll do that. Nothing could be more backward. You need to be thinking about what can I do today? And I think a lot of people wait for uh, life to happen to them instead of them happening to life. And if you think about it in those terms, the very first thing you have to do is some soul searching where you sit down and say, what is it that I want my life to look like? If I could draw it out what would I want it to look like? And exactly what would that feel like? And then how can I go get those things? If you start with a vision and that vision is strong enough, I don't think there's anything more powerful. I mean, the laws of attraction tell you that you're going to get what you see. You're going to attract yourself to what you see clearly. And I think if you wake up every morning with this new mindset, um, there's nothing more powerful than uh, more powerful a force than that to take you there.
0: I love that a bias toward execution starting with the end of mind. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last thing is, you know, parents get a lot of coaching from people, from educators about coaching them on how to get your kids into college, heck school. My kids schools uh, have things all the time about how to get into a better school, how to get more aid from school. Right but I don't see education along the blue collar path. So if somebody is a parent out there listening, Ken, and they want to help their kid get started in careers, helping with their hands, how would you coach a parent on helping their kid now that a lot of those shop classes are gone?
3: Well, you know, the first thing you can do is you can look at every, every region has some pretty quality tech schools um, that are popping up and those schools are coming out of necessity because a few years back, people are saying, hey, we're running out of these tradespeople. We're running out of electricians and and carpenters and plumbers. We're running out of these types of people. So we need to create areas for them to begin to learn these things. So tech schools are a great way to start. Pretty much every organized labor scenario has a place that you can funnel your way through to get the apprenticeships that you need and, and the knowledge that you need. And then also, Here's the beauty of how the blue collar field works. You can master almost anything in 8,000 hours. You've heard that before. I think they wrote a book about it called The Outliers. The theory there is you could take the same four years of school and not spend the money on that, and then flip that into four years of immersing yourself into a trade, even as a beginner. Not only are you getting paid to learn that trade, But in four years, you'll have the ability to either execute that on your own or maybe go start your own business, do that type of thing. So I think parents are pretty keen on to which of my kids are college people and which ones aren't. And they just need to encourage them to immerse themselves in one of these careers because good things come from that.
0: I love that idea. I love the idea of starting early. I mean, I remember some of the jobs I had in high school, Ken, working my butt off Mm -hmm. in the summer and getting sweaty. I realized two things. I realized what type of job I wanted. I realized what type of job I didn't want. I learned about leadership quicker like there there were a lot of i mean you digging ditches at age 15 right
3: well when you think about it i mean every one of these jobs where you're in a truck with four or five other guys and so you're learning negotiation skills you're learning how to do the right thing you're learning how to work quickly how to work effectively and in a an quality way and then if you do those things you become the leader or the foreman of that crew very quickly. And now you're learning leadership skills. As you just said, you're learning negotiation you're learning motivation and psychology in a small way. At some point that just propels you along the path to either, you know, again, going higher up in the company you're in or even starting your own company, your own opportunities.
0: Yeah. And different than paying uh, hundreds of thousands
3: of dollars for it. You're being paid at the same time. Uh, Think of the flip on that. I mean, if you're paying 200, that's a negative, If you're earning 50 a year, that's a positive 200. That's a $400,000 swing in your asset column. So it's it's a powerful number. The book is blue collar cash, love your work, secure your
0: future and find happiness for life. I know when I speak with authors, Ken, there's always something surprising that came up while they were writing the book. What surprised you most in the process of writing blue collar cash?
3: Well, you know, it started out as as a letter to my daughter who was ailing at the time. She was sick. And it was kind of a letter to her about, you know, what's important in life. I mean, what where your level of comfort, peace and freedom should be and, and how you can visualize that. And the more I went, I just kept writing and writing and writing. I'll never forget. I was on an airplane. I had my legal pad and my pen and I was writing and I was shaking my wrist because my hand started to hurt. And the guy sitting next to me says, what are you doing? And I said, well, I think I'm writing a book. And he said you're writing a book as like handwriting it. So I pulled about 12 full legal pads out and showed him that. And he said, you know, they have these things that you can type on, right? And I said, <laughs> I know, but I just, I, I typed three letters and I got to go back to. So <laughs> you're like, you're thinking I'm not that blue collar. Come on. Right. right yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. The book came out yesterday and you can get it everywhere, Ken, correct? Yeah. You can get it on Amazon and uh, indie books and Apple books and uh, Barnes and Nobles and all over so we're really really excited about it and i appreciate you having me on well
0: ken even though you're part buckeye and part wolverine and i shudder as i say that it's great talking yeah. to you thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes you as well thanks so much for having me hey
1: trivia fans i'm joe's mom's neighbor doug and how about that ken rusk dude pretty solid blue collar guy like like yours truly isn't he if it weren't for guys like Ken and I, nothing would get done in this country, am I right? I mean, some of my favorite guys ever are from the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. You got you got Larry the Cable Guy, uh, uh, Bill Engvall, and Ron White, and Joe's mom's absolute favorite, Jeff Foxworthy. You might be a radneck. <laughs> that guy is classic. This actually sparks a great idea of mine, but I'll get to that in a second. First though, let's do what all blue collar workers do, Get the job done. The guys aren't dropping any finance knowledge bombs, so I'll do the honors here. What does the acronym GAP stand for? Spelled uh, uh, G-A-A-P. I'll be back with your trivia answer right after this little GAP. (laughs) See what I did there? So you can formulate an answer. I'm like a comedy ninja.
0: Big thanks to student loan hero for supporting Benjamin. So If you're ready to pay off your student loans, you can get your custom repayment plan today and also see how you can lower your interest rate, decrease monthly payments and find forgiveness. 20 different calculators there. OG 20, not 18, not 19, but wait for it. There is 20 calculators. Also uh, quizzes on how student loans work. Must read articles, All the different types of student loans, whether it's PLUS loans, private student loans, or, of course, the subsidized and unsubsidized federal student loan programs and more. All the different products that are out there. Learn what you're doing before you get into debt. Do not go into a higher education program and take on a bunch of debt without researching exactly what to do. And the number one place to go, studentloanhero.com. That's studentloanhero.com. Dot com when you're ready to pay off your student loans or you're ready for your college journey. It's so funny, OG. We've got Ken Rusk here who just finished talking about, maybe you don't need to go to college, and it's to avoid student loans, partly.
2: But if you're going to go, have a
1: plan. Hey, Trivia fans, you heard it here first. It's your future favorite on the blue-collar comedy tour Joe's mom's neighbor Doug! I was thinking to myself, self, you're hilarious. Why not represent all the blue-collar podcast announcers out there and join the blue-collar comedy tour? We all know that I have plenty of material to work with sitting at the card table every day with these two jokers. You know who I mean. A couple of guys whose names rhyme with ho and go be. Uh, You and I both know that I'll literally have you LOLing uncontrollably. Uh, I've already got some good material, don't I? Check this out. Like wasting your life away listening to two financial hacks? Yeah, You might be a stacker. Or better yet, you spend way too much time reposting memes in a Facebook group that compares itself to a basement and you like doing it? You might be a stacker. Pretty good stuff, huh? And there's plenty more where that came from. I'm telling you, I'm a comedic blue collar machine. So before I go pitch the blue collar crew on why I'd make a great addition to the team, let's get back to today's trivia, which finally teaches you something about money. Question was, what does GAP, GAP, stand for? If you said generally accepted accounting principles, (laughs) you'd be right. You'll hear this term when looking up how companies report earnings and financial information. If they say it's a GAAP number, that means that it follows generally accepted accounting principles. If it's non GAAP, then there might be some quote magic happening in the books. (laughs) So, how about this one? Know what GAAP stands for? Yeah, you might be a stacker. See ya.
0: Big thanks to Ken Rusk for taking some time out of his busy day to talk to us. Oh, gee, I love this idea. There's no excuse. There is no excuse to not be a millionaire. If you want to be a millionaire, blue collar, white collar, you've got the tools, man. And this idea that college, the pressure that people feel to go to college, I still think that's hard to fight. Like if you look at your friends in high school and you go, yeah, I've decided that uh, I'm going to be a millionaire using my hands Instead, you're still going to have this uh, judgy attitude. Maybe not from your friends at school, but maybe from their parents. Mm-hmm. Oh, shouldn't maybe hang out with OG anymore. Yeah. I mean,
2: it's interesting because in my family, you know, my brother's a mechanic. My dad was a truck driver. My mm-hmm. grandfather was a truck driver. My other grandpa was an entrepreneur. So we kind of have the whole gamut in our family. My cousins, I've got some that are Attorneys, and I've got some that are that own landscape company, landscaping companies, and and work at General Motors. And so there's a thousand ways to do it. The habits are the same. It doesn't matter if you make three hundred thousand dollars a year, or one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, or eighty thousand dollars a year. If you spend more than you make, I know people who make eighty grand a year who save ten percent of their income, and I know people that make three hundred grand
0: a year that are like, I don't know, ten percent's a lot of money. Yeah. Well, in the fact that people say, you know, the judgy people that say they're like, well, but you, you're going to earn more money with college. I love what he says about people fixing up their houses now with COVID, right? Like it's made it even better. Like if you're so, if you're somebody that can make cabinets right now, or or you can redesign somebody's patio right now, yeah. Like every everyone is going, yeah. Uh, hey, I can't I can't get anybody to work on my house. You know it. And that means even more money. Yeah. You can take the jobs you want. You can charge more for them. I mean, it's a- Yeah,
2: and if you're doing stuff like that, you are a business owner. You might just be yourself. You might be a painter, but you're a business owner. And so you have to act like one. You have to recognize that there's good days and not so good days and good years and not so good years. And you have to account for that. But you can be every bit as successful as anybody else, I think, with um, with the same habits that we try to get everybody, you know, aligned with. Spend less than you earn. Save a bunch. Be smart about your investing plan.
0: Oh come on! You know,
2: get a dollar twenty five every Friday from Sofi, like clockwork.
0: <laughs> we did not throw out Haven Lifeline today. Oh, uh, well, because Jenny on Monday.
2: It was the capper. How? Like we can't ever do any better than that. So how can you beat there. that?
0: We did ask our basement Facebook group a question. Uh, Mom's friend Gertrude who is the basement room mother asked our friends and said, uh, am I the only one without a side hustle? Uh, she said, it seems like everybody in the financial community has one. Do you have a side hustle? If so, what is it? How much time do you spend on it and what's your motivation for having it? And we actually got a lot of comments on this. And while, while we're talking about making money and different paths to making money, Oh gee, I thought that these were, these were interesting. It's funny because sometimes people working for other people, uh, in other words, driving for Uber or doing um, work for another company, I didn't really see the satisfaction as much as I saw with people who went and did their own things. Just looking yeah. through, you know, we have 112 people who answered this. But Melvin, as an example, says, says uh, did some Amazon Flex, the prime delivery for a bit, but with the traffic around Atlanta, my work schedule, it's really not, not worth it. Yeah. In, f- in fact, I kind of feel like some of those jobs, unless you truly have done the math, we have Harry Campbell came on the the Uber guy who talks about the math. But man, if you haven't done the math, you you really don't make a lot of money driving Uber, Lyft, or Prime Flex.
2: Well, and the common theme also is if you just went out and got a second job, like like your second job sucks as bad as your first job. It's just a different job. But if you are doing something that you enjoy doing i.e. your side hustle, that's what I think makes it attractive is you can have your main gig that maybe isn't lighting your fire the whole time, but keeps the lights on. And then you can do your other thing and work to build it up to be your main thing.
0: To your point, Mark said he's a public school teacher. He picks up extra money working in an after, after school program. So doing more of what he loves already. And he's using his skill sets that he already has. So that's good too. Kathy is a group fitness instructor, been teaching part-time close to 30 years. Do it because she loves it, but the money is also a nice perk. It's a good way to
2: stay in shape. Have somebody writing you a check <laughs> to do a to do a yoga class every Monday or something. Like, ah, oh,
0: crap, I got to do yoga again. But at least I'm getting paid to do it. Some guy named Taylor says he walks dogs and works for a financial podcast most people haven't heard of. What a great job that would be to sit around and write Bad jokes and come up with headlines for a financial podcast, most people don't know.
2: Yeah, if he did it on
0: time. If <laughs> if he had if he had some uh, trivia for us today, you're yeah. we doing this. That'd be great, Taylor. Sounds great. Eric, to your point, OG said, had one when I was working full time, but my side hustle became my full time job. There you go. KB writes romance novels off and on. So does OG, by the way. Yeah, mine start with, I never thought this was happen to me. That's pure fiction, by the way. I
2: don't know those are all real. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. No, it is definitely fiction. Thanks to everybody for that. I thought on a day when Ken's talking about how you don't doesn't have to be the college route. That there's other ways to make money. Good to see so many people in our community making money in lots of different ways and uh, loving it. If you want to hang out with us, by the way, it's stackybenjamins.com forward slash basement. All right, that's going to do it for today. You know, as we were mentioning on Monday, OG, we've slipped into the second half of the year and time is ticking. And if you're somebody who says, wait a minute, I've done nothing with all this time and I definitely got to get my financial house in order. OG and his team are taking clients. So head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash OG and uh, you'll get their calendar and you can interface with them and find out how you can plug them in to get your financial plan done here before. Uh, The year that was, 2020. You can remember 2020. Go, remember it was the year we had the awful pandemic and I finally got my financial act together. Sounds like a good way to end the year. Be fantastic. All right. That's going to do it for today. Doug, take it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what should
1: we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our headlines. Life returned to normal anytime soon. (laughs) I almost made it through that without laughing. Uh, I'm sorry. That's a good one. Second, take a lesson from Ken Rusk. Don't think you can make a lot of money as a blue-collar worker? There are lots of opportunities if you think the traditional college path isn't for you. Find your dream regardless of your educational background. But the big takeaway? The blue-collar comedy tour is canceled. Wait. Wait. I didn't even have a chance to pitch the guys. This totally bites. I would have been the top blue collar comedian by a long shot. Love the Ken Rusk interview? Yeah, you might be a stacker. I can do this all day long, I got a million of them. Special thanks to Ken Rusk for coming down to the basement and talking about his book, Blue Collar Cash, Love Your Work, Secure Your Future, and Find Happiness for Life. We've placed a link to buy his book through bookshop.org on our show notes page. Head to StackingBenjamins.com for all our show notes. This show is created by Joe Saul Seahigh, produced by Taylor Stevens, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, Visit us on Twitter, at SBenjamin'sCast, or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and it appears I've fallen and I can't get up. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. Wishing my credits were longer so that we could hang out a little bit more? You might be a stacker. Refolding your dollar bills so they're neatly arranged in your wallet? You are definitely a stacker. Do you tell fascinating stories about the rule of 72 to your friends at parties? You might be a stacker. What? Stop. We're just
0: starting. Oh, come on. Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. When you were talking about getting paid weekly, and then I cracked that joke about give you a dollar, you give two people 50 cents. How many times has someone pitched you on uh, a multi-level marketing deal? I remember, uh, I've, I have not
2: many, because you can kind of smell them. But I remember one early on in my, in my planning career, you know, one of the things that we were always told to do was go out and get centers of influence, get a mortgage broker that you can refer clients to, a tax attorney you can refer clients to, an estate planning, you know what I mean? And then you create the little network of people and life's great and you never have to worry about clients again. So I had this really good, uh, mortgage guy and uh, he goes, Hey, I want I want you to come to this thing. It's a business thing. You'd probably like it, you know, whatever. And I'm like, Sure. So we go and it was a pretty clear MLM pitch from the beginning, right from the beginning. And the guy's up there and it's all like high five and rah, rah. And I came here in a Ferrari and all this stuff. Like I make a million dollars a year (laughs) and I didn't know anything about making a million dollars a year. I still don't know anything about making a million dollars a year, but I know people who do make a million dollars a year and I'm pretty sure that they're not generally I know millionaire next door. People would say, well, I don't know. I buy my clothes at JCPenney. But if you're driving a Ferrari and you're telling everybody you make a million bucks a year, you don't still have the tag on your suit from JCPenney. Are
0: you kidding me? Oh,
2: yeah. It was, was still th- dangling from the armpit. And then, you know how, like on some suits, <clears throat> depending on where you buy them, like the labels on the, you have on to, the outside, you're supposed to cut that off. Cut
0: the label off. Yeah.
2: it was a cut Hadn't off. done it. No. It was so silly. It was just, I, I did the whole like, got up in the middle of the thing. I'm like, dude, I gotta go and left. And I got the whole like ridicule on the way. I ah, go, somebody doesn't want money. This is easy. Are you one. kidding me? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Totally. I'm like, yeah, see you guys later. That was probably my most intimate experience with it. I had clients who uh, work for the uh, IRS. <laughs> the wife got invited to an event. And it was one of these ones where like literally they poured out money on the table, like pile, a pile of money. And they're like, and Susie Smith, you can come up and take a thousand bucks. That's yours. You know, it was like this whole big pyramid scheme.
0: And you got an IRS agent in the room. Yeah.
2: <laughs> She's like, ah, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not how this is going to work. This that's might no not way.
0: end well. Yeah. It's funny. I don't have as negative an opinion about MLMs as some people do. I think the scammy ones, like the stuff that like you can
2: use for products.
0: Yeah. It's just a fine. distribution channel. Yeah. If the, if, if the product is fine, the, the product could, is yeah, fine. Yeah. The, it, and the, Hey, the fact that they chose to distribute it this way makes me go, yeah, I don't know. My problem is the sales pitch about something for nothing about that. You're going to get something for, th- there is no job out there where you don't work. In fact, it's funny. There was a piece, uh, I remember I was watching, I don't remember what show it was. It was, it was a while ago, but they were talking about the, the, you know, the robber barons, they called them people like JP Morgan and, and Rockefeller and Cornelius Vanderbilt. And don't get me wrong. These people were ruthless. They sometimes had people work in bad conditions, but the big point of the piece was they made money by creating new things. Yeah. By creating new jobs, by creating new opportunities, by creating all this stuff. And I'm not saying that they're perfect. So please don't write to me about the fact that they were perfect. But the real robbers are people out there peddling the fact that you can get wealthy and never do anything.
2: That's the thing. Like that's where it gets its bad connotation because the people who tend to get sucked into it. Is is that a fair way to say it? Yeah. People who tend to get sucked into it are people who are going i need the quick fix like i'm well behind the eight ball i and need to, i need to do super
0: this. desperate yeah
2: or i just lost my job and i didn't have any savings and apparently i can sell this thing to 10 of my friends and you know and i'll be a gazillionaire
0: i remember that when i started in financial planning i was told in the beginning build up to about 200 250 clients then sit back with your feet up And you're never going to work it. It's going to be fantastic. You're part-time and money's just going to come in. And I know there were a lot of people on that train. And then I remember we at American Express had a new vice president in the company. And I remember when he came in and his very first speech was, yeah, I know a bunch of you have been told by people in the industry, they just build the X number of clients and you sit back. Financial planning is a service business. And you do this because you like serving people. There is no client out there who wants you sitting at your desk and not working on their behalf, right? <laughs> sitting sit out on the golf course every day, five days a week and not pay it. He basically said the asset gathering business gone. It is not about asset gathering. It's, it's about serving, serving people. And I think that no matter what you do, I think the MLM, the MLM business could be the same way. I mean, if, Hey, if, if you've got a great product and, you like it a bunch, selling it to your friends and your relatives. Fantastic. And by the way, if it provides value. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, Hey, you get a discount if you sell it too, right? If you sell it too, you get a discount for yourself. And also you can get a commission instead of me getting a commission. Right. Me selling you on that. I don't, I don't, I don't find anything wrong with it. The reason I bring this up by the way, is that I was, I was in another financial forum and it was just people ripping MLMs. And don't get me wrong. MLM most sales pitches that I've been to are like yours Yeah, where they're selling you a bunch of crap, but, um, but it doesn't have to be that. And it's way. always sneaky. Yeah. It's just, you know, just stop it.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Stop it. People there. That was a little preachy, uh, after show.
2: We're all entitled to listen to your sermons every so often. <laughs> We're so lucky.
0: I know you feel just, you're like, I showed up for this. No, I'm,
2: actually I'm thinking like, Cheryl says something about lunch. Oh, barbecue. Is there lunch somewhere? Naaman's. When does the lunch? Naaman's. Have you, have you had Naaman's yet? Uh, yeah. You might f- not remember that um, you lived here for
0: a long time. I did. But did we have Naaman's? I, I think we did. came here all the time. Yeah. W- w- and, well, I remember the first three times you came here when I lived here. We went to Topkin's Ice House. And I remember the third time we went, you'd like lean across the table and you're like, hey, uh, next come- time I come to town, can we not come here? I'm like, why this place is great. And you're like, yeah, but every single time I've been here, this is where we've gone. I hadn't even thought about that.
2: Yeah. But we've been to Naaman's. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Naaman's good stuff. We're not going to Naaman's though. Cheryl's. Neeman's is coming to us. Neiman. That's how we roll. Way better. Snap our fingers. Hello, Mr. Naaman. Bring it to me. Barbecue appears. Mm-hmm. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is